First Home Buyer FOMO. Let's have a look. Hello everyone, I'm Florian Heiser and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. I thought we'd start the week by looking at an article which seems to be encouraging more first home buyer fear of missing out. Now the term is called FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. And it's become, well, much more commonly discussed in our social media world, where people present a picture of their lives, which may not align with reality, but can cause anxiety and angst among other people who are fearful that they're missing out on the great lives that people are having. It's a big problem with millennials and young people, particularly those that have been exposed to social media their whole life. I mean, it's making the, the con concerning issue of comparing yourself to others and it's old-fashioned envy and jealousy coming through. So I thought we would read through this article and have a look to see if this is more FOMO aimed at first-home buyers. Now, the shine of coffee is getting a bit of a rest, so I've got my world's greatest dad cup of coffee to start the week. And this is an official award. You know, my daughter got it for me on Father's Day. So guys, let's have a look at this. First-home buyers could be forced out as housing markets enjoy uptick and banks may loosen lending. So again, this is more concern for first home buyers because well, we were first home buyers, we were in our first home. And if you keep hearing in the media about how housing is going up and up and up and you're struggling to save and cobble together enough money to get something, this can lead to you, know, you worrying, you being concerned. and. Reading in the paper, I know all these people who made a fortune in their property game, and the, when you, you know, scrape off the patina on the aluminium and, and peer at reality, it's a little different. You know, they all have 30 houses that the bank owns and they're servicing. It's a little different. Probably all at interest only, too. So, could the cure be worse than the disease? As East Coast property markets fire up with Melbourne topping the growth rate of 5.5% for the three months to the end of October, the very thing that was the root cause of so much pain in the past has delivered so much longed for benefit or relief. But for how long? After just four months, first home buyers once again face the prospect of being forced to the sidelines. While the dangerous buildup in household debt during the past 30 years to an eye-watering 200% of income appears likely to resume. So here we have a good chart. I mean, here you go. Just look at this. The total investor and owner-occupier housing and owner-occupier housing. So the grinding slowdown in national housing values from late 2017 hit consumers and put a break on spending that flowed through to ret retailers and gradually trickled to the furthest corners of the economy. Eventually, it hit building investment and construction, and that's when panic set in down at the Reserve Bank's Martin Place headquarters. The possibility of a lift in unemployment compounding an already soft economy saw it ramp up the rhetoric on federal and state government to bust out the bucks to spend up big on infrastructure. The newly elected Morrison government, however, had other ideas. Committed to a budget surplus, it agitated for a loosening in credit restrictions introduced in the wake of the Banking Royal Commission to curb irresponsible lending. Just think about that. Because of the Royal Commission wanted to put a curb on irresponsible lending and 
you know, that was a pretty much a restriction in lending. So now the government wants to build this growth on more irresponsible lending. Fundamentally, that's what this is saying. Isn't that concerning? Will people fall for it? That's the question. The Reserve Bank then piled on three interest rate cuts in quick succession. It was an embarrassing about face. For three years, rates had been on hold. And for most of the previous year, the RBA had insisted the next move in interest rates would be up. I mean, there you go. It's, it's, the problem is interest rates are now so low, they have got nothing, no reserve, no fuel in the tank. If, say, the Chinese economy drops off the face of the cliff, maybe because bank runs are happening over there and they're investing in infrastructure that isn't adding to the productive capacity of their civilization. Demand for their goods decreases as American companies change their manufacturing locations and recession in other parts of the world reduces demand for the rubbish they produce. You know, how is that going to flow through to Australia? For those of you that know, and I'll just bring, I'll bring up one of my favorite websites to draw attention to it. This is the Observatory of Economic Complexity, and you can see here what Australia is exporting. But what's most important is the destination of our exports. And let's scroll down a little bit here. You can see here, China is number one, our biggest export partner. So economists at 20 paces. The federal government's two leading economic advisors are locked in a desperate tussle. In what appears to be the ultimate case of irony, or even past the parcel, Philip Lowe, Reserve Bank Governor and Supreme Commander of Monetary Policy, has argued that interest rates policy has reached its limit and it's time to employ fiscal policy. Newly appointed Head of Treasury Stephen Kennedy, the man in charge of all things fiscal, however, begs to disagree. His open statement to a Senate committee a fortnight ago laid out in perfect harmony what Prime Minister Scott Morrison why the government should resist the temptation for a spending splurge. According to Dr. Kennedy, interest rates should do all the heavy lifting when it comes to economic management. While serious global economic challenges are afoot, he firmly believes the budget should only be used to stimulate the economy in extreme cases. Well, this is the problem. We could be on the verge of extreme cases, but all the data that they're using to make these decisions is out of date by the time they get it. So it's, it's strange. I mean, people are going to and make a prediction about what's going to happen. Well, here, here's the situation, guys. We have a, a very complex emergent system. We have limited data to base predictions on, and there are external factors that are beyond our control. So you can make a series of different predictions what could happen if, so say, let's say if the Chinese economy goes down, what would happen then to Australia? Well, there could be a few things that could happen. Our budget would probably not be in surplus. We'd lose tax revenue. There'd be a decline in the mining industry, a decline in all the sectors that support that industry. And then that would flow through to the communities that support those. And because we've got fly in, fly out, a lot of those people are based in our major cities. So you're going to have the rural areas which are hurting because of the drought as well. They're also hurt because of the reduction in mining. And then our cities and workers there will hurt as well. And that will throw, flow through to the retail sector, which is employing 10% of the workforce, which is already in trouble. And then that's before we even discuss anything to do with the interest-only loans that are coming up in the banking sector. Well, hopefully, 
Oh, I suspect, I suspect we may get what happens in America where they have a housing recovery, but part of that is fueled by the fact that banks are not coming and resuming homes or they're not, they're allowing people in delinquency to stay in the houses. It's all a bit artificial. Can you see with all these interest only loans, can you see the banks pushing a whole lot of people to default straight away? I can see it happening maybe very slowly over time, because remember, these houses aren't yours. They're the banks. They're the bank's assets. They make part of their asset spread to meet their APRA requirements. So, yeah, I've, I suspect they're going to be sending more people to food banks than anything else. So the recent tax cuts combined with decent job numbers. That's that's a bit of a Ian's making a, a you know, stretch there. I wouldn't call it decent job numbers. I like get better than expected. This is the thing. In all of this economic stuff, and you, you can see it all the time, particularly uh, I was watching a guy, he does he does day trades, he trades before the market. And his strategy is to look at the profit, expectation of the market, and what's actually reported, profit and loss, and just try and make some money on that quick five second trade, if it's up or down. And it just shows you how the market factors certain things in. So even a tiny, tiny improvement in jobs numbers, which is only 0.1% above because it's better than predicted, can swing the market. So I wouldn't call it decent, but that's what he's saying. Having racked up deficits every year since the Abbott government was elected, federal debt since then has doubled and the government wants private sector debt to again lead the charge. What that leaves you is that interest rates are likely to remain low, not just for a long time, but at lower level than it would otherwise be given the government's reluctancy to loosen the purse strings and risk plunging back into deficit. And first home buyers out in the cold. So here's the FOMO that they're putting together. The speed at which the housing market has bounced back has stunned many observers. If the current pace is maintained, we will be back to record levels before the middle of next year, which gets us back to square one. First home buyers after a tentative return are likely to be forced out of the market while investors have been subdued for more than a year the prospect of decent capital gains and relaxed lending restrictions are likely to see them return there are two reasons for, for this the official interest rate below one percent the hunt for yield will force investors into riskier areas with the coalition election win early this year any chance of diluting the tax incentives negative gearings or capital gains have been obliterated for years to come on top of that, housing construction has slowed to a snail's pace. Residential approvals bounced in September, but they're still close to a six-year low. With reduced future supply, that's only going to add to pressure on housing prices, particularly if the federal government maintains its current high levels of immigration. So this is another thing. You've got immigration here putting pressure on housing demand, but we've had a crazy amount of oversupply as well. So is that going to take time? And also, also guys, don't forget, we've got completely decimated confidence in the apartment sector. You know, how many first home buyers are going to buy an apartment? So, and that puts the Reserve Bank in a tight corner. Slowing construction could add to unemployment at a time when households are struggling under a mountain of debt. In the absence of any help from the government, its only option is to continue cutting rates while possibly trying to put a break on prices through the reintroduction of lending controls. Westpac, Westpac, sorry, Westpac's Bill Evans reckons the next rate cut will come in February, while UBS's George Thoreau is penciling in a possible cut to 0.25% by mid next year, 
depending on how the central banks behave. So homeowners to the rescue. The federal government has a lot riding on a housing boom rerun. For months, it has been urging banks to lend in the hope that a rising housing market will reignite the wealth effect. Okay, if that's true, that's terrible. That is completely non-productive investment. That's not gonna, that's no manufacturing, that's no development. Australian economy, the Australian economy, and we'll jump back to this website, guys. If you're not aware, our economy is insanely primitive. Okay, we're we're, we are literally still a colony. We're producing raw materials for the advanced nations. We're sending stuff. We're, we're a colony, guys. Australia's a colony. Just keep that in mind. So, and just building more houses in the colony isn't going to add to the productive or advancement of the colony, is it? So, back to the article. That is, if households feel richer, so they might not necessarily be, but if they feel... Perhaps they'll start spending again. For the past two years, we've had a negative wealth effect. When house, housing was in decline, consumers curtailed spending and retail took a pounding. The problem is this time around, there's very little headroom for increased spending. Households are hocked to the eyeballs with record debt levels and wages growth has been painfully weak for years. Not surprisingly, consumers are still gun shy. In fact, figures released by the Australian Bureau of Statistics last week indicated that mortgage credit growth in September had reached its lowest level on record. Given the mini boom in housing and the recent uptick in auction clearance rates, they keep talking about auction clearance rates. They're irrelevant. It, that just doesn't make sense. Except as macro business economist Leith Van Onseln pointed out, a large number of over-indebted Australians are using the rate cut to pay down their mortgages faster, offsetting the uptick in loan approvals. Yes, people are waking up. People are waking up. People are worried. That huge slowdown in the construction sector means people are preparing. They're preparing, guys. If your pipeline of future work is quiet, you prepare. So while businesses have jumped back into the, into, sorry, while buyers have jumped back into the market, existing homeowners have decided reducing debt is their primary goal thereby knocking a mighty black hole in the hopes that consumers will head back to the shops. The RBA kicked off a housing boom in 2012 to offset the end of the mining boom with a series of rate cuts that propels household debt to near toxic levels. Now we're at it again. So it shows you that they're just trying to do the same old tricks. The same old tricks. I think in the long term, it's not going to add much to the civilization. That's concerning. Guys, let me know what you think. What's your take on this? You know, do you think it's just gonna, will it be a boom or is it just a dead cat bounce? Do you think in the long term, this is the way to build a nation? Thanks for watching. Like, share and subscribe. And I think my breakfast is ready, so I'm gonna go. See you all later.